Welcome to Across the Pond. My name's Chris Lawson and I'm joined from Philadelphia by Samuel Moni. Say hello, Sam. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to the audience. Um, obviously, Chris, we, we know what the real time is, but we're not going to reveal that to our audience, are we? We're Completely, gonna... yeah. So how are you, Sam? All right? Yep, doing well, as always. Energised, looking forward to this week's episode. I think we've got a good momentum behind this season. Yeah, I do, I do. And it's, it's really good reflecting on the interviews and then mm-hmm. sort of thinking, right, well, where, where does it take us? And right. this week we're going to talk about freedom. And that's not the George Michael song, but the ability to focus on what you want to achieve and what you want to do to achieve your dreams. And, and also just reflect on, is that possible in normal careers these days? And how brave do you have to be to get to what you want? And mm-hmm. what shapes you to give you that confidence in order to do that? So lots of questions there. Yeah, yeah. I think that a whole piece about freedom took you to George Michael, but probably takes me more to Pharrell Williams or Beyonce. Um, I don't want that to be any reflection on my music choice, by the way. Just well, I mean, you know, it's, their songs also are probably, you know, both being sort of black musicians, their their song, the lyric sentiment and things probably go in a slightly different direction to George Michael. But hey, you know, all huge pop stars in their own right. Yeah, indeed. All right. Bringing you back to topic anyway. But the point about this one is that as you're reflecting on your career choices and where you want to get to, it's... Do you need to think about yourself as a personal marketing campaign in order to get there? And and what is at the heart of it? Well, as we talk about a lot of the time, heart of good marketing is storytelling and telling a good story and running that through your personal campaign. And last week we had Nick Bradley on the show. Definitely an interesting one. Definitely a story there, I think. And, and not someone who's taken a tentative approach into a new career. That's for certain. It's someone who's gone in both feet first almost a reinvention in a way and would take some of those things coming out of it and dissect it yeah i think nick was uh, uh, gave us a lot of food for thought we had some good discussion and just opened our eyes to the journey he had and the journey that w- we can all have if we really listen to the signals and take action yeah exactly all about breaking through to the other side which is uh, but you know we're not dissecting songs today what what we're going to do is is look at that sort of concept. And and Nick Bradley is someone I've known since the early 2000s when we were both in, I suppose you could say, almost conventional marketing director careers at a company called Bauer, which owns a lot of radio stations and magazines and uh, TV stations. And at that time, it was almost considered a sort of cutting edge of marketing, but it was a traditional career. And to paraphrase Nick's career from then on was that he carved out a niche working in or on private equity before he decided that it wasn't really fulfilling him and he set up on his own. Uh, Now he's got a hugely successful business podcast called Scale Up Your Business, where he looks at that startup and scale up journey and what it takes to be successful. And alongside that, he runs a business accelerator, which is a marked difference from his previous career. Can I just give us a shameless plug and shout out to the episode of Scale Up Your Podcast featuring the wonderful Chris Lawson and another guy called Samuel Money. Check that episode out. It's another storm. It's a great episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Two, two brilliant guests. Yeah. It took a while for him to get them, I, I seem to remember. Yeah, apparently they're highly sought after. Yeah, apparently. But Nick's approach, as he talks about, was to dive in with both feet. And, and as he put it, he goes... 
Um, you know, he, he told a story about when uh, he was being asked by his bosses about sort of commitment to the role and goes, right, fellas, thank you, but I'm off. And, uh, and that was after a lot of soul-searching and some fundamental and ultimately tragic events led him to question what he was doing. And, and what Nick did was that he burnt the boat and he talks powerfully and openly about how his dad entered his life at about this time. And uh, sadly, his dad died a few years later, but he did get to know him and his entrepreneurial past and the highs and lows that accompanied his stories. And it's a, it's a tough one, but it's also brutally honest and uplifting. So so well worth a listen. I think the fascinating thing when you look at sort of Nick's story and the decision-making that he got to in a certain part of his career before he decided to go deep for first in with a different direction was he also spent some time on Tony Robbins course, which focused on really stripping back and understanding what motivates you. you know, it's immensely popular. Uh, it's meant to make you incredibly vulnerable and it's not without its criticism actually. Mm. And it focuses on banishing that fear and the need to shift your mindset to make any real change and really work out what is right in the deep heart of you before you sort of move forward. I mean, look, there's, there's hundreds of gurus out there and self-help books, but often it does seem like it takes a big event to consider what you want to change and then to change the behavior. So Nick, in his podcast, talks about burning the boat, and that concept, I think, is is an interesting one. That means that you give yourself no other option but to succeed, to go forward with whatever that chosen plan is. And, and it can be seen to bring the best out of you. And you essentially destroy all ways of going back on yourself. And, and I thought what was fascinating, Sam, is you, you trace the roots of that phrase and whether it's Burma Bridges or Burma Boat. And in 1519, Captain Hernan Cortes landed in Veracruz at the beginning of his conquest. And upon arriving, he gave the order to his men to burn the ships in which they've arrived on. In essence, he gave them no other option that they had to succeed in their conquest or there was no way back. Now, obviously, that's an extreme approach. It forces one way forward. But it did get me thinking, is that the only way to really affect change? And, and how do we use transformative events to do something different, to do something positive? And, and how do we get those good intentions to last? Yeah, great questions there, Chris. I, I'm, I have to be honest, I'm torn by the burn the boat idiom. I'm not a huge fan of it. And especially when a lot of these sort of idioms and stories come from sort of conquests where bad things happen to the people being conquested, right? So kind of it implies you're committed to a cause irrespective of new information coming in when you're kind of single-minded and blinkers on and you're not going to consider anything else. And we know, absolutely know that from the growth mindset work from Carol Dweck, that being open to new information and new ideas and entrepreneurs, especially being open to new information and ideas, learning from others, considering new information are all characteristics of actually doing it well. And so I just think there's a contrarian view and a, um, contrarian data points. And I think it was in the context of one of our early episodes in uh, I think the first season, episode nine, creating an optimum growth plan. And we talked about the ability to think ahead especially regarding culture and where it is today and, and where it's going. 
because it's moving so rapidly, you got to look three to five years ahead, seven years ahead. There's an area called foresight where you're looking so far ahead to build for that future. uh, And um, how do you take advantage of that? So I'm not necessarily vested in being single-minded in one direction because the ability to shift and pivot has to be something you're able to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, all of the other things that we talk about, about being flexible, being agile, being observant to your surroundings, I think is is a key part of it. But I, that concept of actually sort of doubling down on something and, and diving into something with sort of no thoughts of sort of turning back, I think uh, is, is an interesting one. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating to think whether it works for everyone or whether it works for some people. Well, the, the way for me to think about it, you, well, for, for me and the audience can think about it, it's about, I think also about it from your, from a personal perspective and building building that, building a story into your own brand. You know, what value do you create? Uh, and it's as much as uh, what do I bring and what do I stand for? And I love the taking the perspective from some uh, from Carla Harris, who I met years ago, and a story she shared at a conference I was at a few years ago and how she evolved her personal brand. She's now vice chairman, managing director, and senior advisor at Morgan Stanley. She's got several senior roles, probably been promoted since last time I, I kind of wrote up her bio um, and in the US. But when she started her career, she was telling these stories of being a young black woman in the financial world and really just trying to fit in. Um, but part of who she is is a really expressive, creative person. She's a singer. She loves to sing. She's a highly accomplished singer, sung at some of the biggest forums in the world, concerts and made music and recorded albums and CDs, but she kept that hidden at the start of her career through fear of detracting from her personal corporate career. And then she, over time, she she got more confident and realized, wow, actually singing wasn't a distraction. It was actually a point of difference. People would remember her, that they'd say, oh, you're Carla, the singer. Now, if you go to her website, you'll see three sections of the website. She's a leader, and she'll talk about Morgan Stanley. She's an author of books, and she'll talk about her books. And she's got a section for being a singer. And she's performed in all these sold-out concerts. And I just think that's awesome where you become the person who you really are mm. and you share that with the world. That's a great and powerful example, that one, Sam. And and it comes back to freedom, freedom of expression. And the podcast and that personal brand that Nick has created with Scale Up Your Business is, is about that, as is your story about Carla. So can you do that effectively in your own careers or do you have to carve out a new career or get yourself to a point that someone can't tell you what to do? So, you know, there's there's a really good question. I think the the episode of Nick and I think amongst ourselves, Chris, you and I, we've talked about this, um, I was going to call it a dance, but this wrestling with can you do it, can you not, have we had successes? And we talked about that through throughout these episodes and I think it's possible yet darn hard to if you're in a corporate environment to really thrive as an entrepreneur and create entrepreneurial opportunities and make them happen a few years ago i attended a conference and there's a series of them that go around the world now uh, it was on corporate entrepreneurship or it's also known as intrapreneurship and i just not i've not just made that word up if you go online you'll find a whole area of entrepreneurship corporate entrepreneurship bit of a buzzword. And there's more data behind that and how to make that happen. And companies are really trying to trying to cultivate that. And there's the first story I've, I've got on how to think about this. There's, there's a wonderful lady called Susan Foley. And you, you'll find her as managing partner at Corporate Entrepreneurs. So look her up, um, corporateentrepreneurs.com's website. There's a bunch of resources and great blog posts there. And 
if you look at us, uh, the, the site, you'll start to learn how to think about it if you, if you want to make this happen for yourself or if you see that something for you. I saw her speak a few years ago at a conference and she was remarkable. And she told the story of having developed a solution when she was at Standard Poor's, the company. And it's basically essentially blocked and ignored by the internal leadership for years. Like, so she'd propose these ideas, no, no, like went to a senior boss, no, no joy, went again up to a more senior person, basically got so sick and tired of being blocked by these ideas, she left the company. She managed to then get back to the organization coming through externally and got got a connection uh, managed to get, present to the to the c-suite and they thought oh wow those, those great ideas you're sharing and she sold them for a few million dollars and i'm thinking wait you sold the same idea they would have got for free if they'd listened to you that you got to the ceo and the ceo loved it and then bought it off you and she said yeah and my jaw was like hit the floor I thought, what the hell what what it was yeah these were great ideas so i'm not going to give up because they won't listen to me i'm just going to leave and then sell mm -hmm. it to them and that was sort of, wow that's how an entrepreneur thinks it was a great idea she was an entrepreneur uh, she used her independent thinking to try a different way to make her idea happen and that that resonated with with me because i thought wow I know how it feels, idea after idea, proposal after proposal that falls on deaf ears or has been blocked or ignored. And, you know, in, in former roles, I've stayed and kind of just, kept, you know, carried on. But for me, it was kind of a signal a few years ago, hmm, maybe I need to do something differently. And so when you look at the data, especially corporate leaders, especially C-suiters, Susan, again, from Susan Foley, some research she's been doing for a number of years is they actually actively under-indexed in the entrepreneurial competencies. So versus entrepreneurs, if you take a um, survey or study those people versus C-suite leaders, you'll find they actually score 10 to 40% lower in the key competencies. So if it's independent thinking, they're, they're kind of lower by 11% if you're a C-suite versus an entrepreneur, i.e. You know, your ability to build things, openly question authority, thirst for knowledge. Or if driving change, there's a huge gap. C-suite leaders like 40% lower scores versus entrepreneurs or navigating uncertainty or even execution where entrepreneurs score much higher. They, so ultimately, the date, a lot of data shows that if you're in a C-suite in a corporate environment leader, you just simply don't get it. But the smart ones know how, <laughs> how to support the entrepreneurial with resources and support and infrastructure and get out of their way. So say yes to something you don't understand or something you don't get because those folks will make it happen. Yeah, I, I think um, that brings us, do you remember so when Nick was telling us about his you know, conversation he had with his boss mm. when he was uh, talking about resigning and the, the conversation basically went that, uh, the boss felt that he was spending too much time on the podcast, too much time promoting himself rather than company, and you're know, almost sort of encouraging him or asking him not to show that self-expression. Right. And then, obviously, after everything came to a head and he was put on gardening leave and being told that you can't work, but you can podcast. Exactly. They're looking at the wrong things or measuring the wrong things. And and as I say, it's literally because it's there's just an ability that isn't as strong versus the entrepreneurs. And uh, it reminds me of another lady called Jennifer Holland. Uh, again, a conference I was at, and she she let, she leads a, an area of Google. But she, she was a program manager in finance, and she um, was really a strong performing corporate entrepreneur there where she's actually brought a number of innovations to life in um, Google expeditions and, and other areas of digital literacy. And she's a finance person who managed to come up with these ideas and execute them in the organization, which clearly proves it's about the competencies, not the job title. So don't look at people's titles and, and roles, actually understand who they are and, and understand what they bring versus just pigeonholing people. 
And and again, there's there's a lot of data out there in terms of what are the the competencies and skills, and what's the the sort of an assessment you can take to to understand if you have those those skills or those tendencies. And I took this, I took the assessment. I scored ten out of ten on the entrepreneurial side, which shocked me because. I just thought, hey, these were the obvious answers that make the most sense. But actually, no, they're not conventional. And because when you look at the makeup of most traditional corporations, 70, 70 odd to 73 percent are managers, only 4 percent are entrepreneurs. So of 100 percent of people, really only three or 4 percent are really more entrepreneurial on the corporate entrepreneurial side or scale. So these are skills you can develop and tendencies. But the important thing is to support and build around those people. And I'm a huge fan of Brené Brown, and I know I've talked about her a bunch of times. And and you talked about um, courage and 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 you know take burning the boat earlier. And and she really frames it in being courageous is also being vulnerable, right? And and that's clearly what um, we heard from Nick. And I, I'm sure you, you can relate to that. So um, and then how your personal brand comes to life, but it doesn't have to be your resume. And and so for me, this that that's that idea of being courageous which requires that vulnerability to actually drive you to taking that step yeah and uh, the interesting thing is that i think it's not only individuals that are struggling with this it is companies so waking up to the complexity of this is understanding that in corporate lives we haven't got that clear role of what or, or clear understanding of what personal branding and how it fits in media still struggles with it with their roles are presenters representing their brand of themselves on twitter and and i think that by not talking about bringing the brand into disrepute here but what we're talking about is which brand are you actually enhancing and uh, and i think there's almost this still this command and control mentality in companies which doesn't allow you as a as an entity to sort of say how do we get the best out of people and then I think the individuals are struggling with how do they show a bit more of an emotional and vulnerable side and and self-expression so definitely a, a, a bit of a conundrum there uh, interestingly I think as always it comes down to the fact that uh, when we look at episode 20 where we were talking about storytelling is that it doesn't really matter what that story is. The principles are the same. It's the need to be able to capture your audience, captivate their attention, and make sure that they're left inspired to do something. And whether that's you working for yourself or whether you're working within a company, that's what you're trying to do. So same principles apply, I think. So we're kind of bringing things together about personal brand, storytelling, fear, courage, and and what entrepreneurial nature or opportunities look like, whether you're in a corporate environment or stepping out on your own. And I think part of, and you talked about image and and what's being reflected, and we are certainly bombarded with media images and stories of 30 under 30 and 40 under 40 and 15 under 15. And listen, this is not to denigrate folks who are younger early in their career, but that's the perception. And actually, it's refreshing to know that there might actually be a bias in society and culture where we're kind of looking at youth and, and, and you know, y- young as being where it all starts. But simply put, when it comes to this space, Chris, the fact is 50 is the new 40 or 30 or even 20 for that matter. Right now, there's, you know, okay, sounds like, hey, Sam, you're spreading some positive vibes for everyone who's older. But it's actually 
true. There's a lot of data and evidence there that, you know, I think a lot of people as they get further in their career think, oh, no, it's too late now or I'm too old or I'm not ready to be an entrepreneur. Well, actually, I'd say challenge yourself, challenge your mindset, because that story you're telling yourself is actually not right. And a study of over 2.7 million startups found that the ideal age to start a business is actually much, much older. It's more in the 50s. The data says that you're actually better to start and be more successful. And it's basically because you've got some great experience, <laughs> your leadership lessons have learned and uh, you've learned throughout and it's been put to its paces. And also, most likely, you've got a really long and deep connection to people and ideas that the world actually needs. So if you follow the data, you can actually see that it's the right time to make it happen. And I think that's what I, I can say about myself and my epiphany after I talked about this conference I went to years ago, but I really didn't do anything about it at the time. And slowly over time realized, wow, you know, setting up on my own is the right thing to do. The podcast, consulting work. And the third, you know, the third tier to this, the work I'm doing at CI Squared, which we're using communication through storytelling, all started flying back from the US um, to the US from the UK, seat buddy. Um, was a guy who's also coming back from um, to the US. He was actually American, and he'd just done some training in the UK on storytelling. And I said, oh, that's interesting. The episode of Across the Pond that week is all about storytelling. And we chatted, 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 actually chatted for seven hours, didn't stop talking. <laughs> Poor bloke, Sam. You know, I've, I've warned you about this before, just because they're locked next to you on a plane doesn't mean you have to talk to them. Well, listen, you normally normally on a plane, it's like you, you fight for elbow space, putting your headphones on, and you want the chicken yeah. before they get it. So then you get the last chicken, and they have to eat the vegetarian. But this turned out to a seven-hour conversation. And, and it actually, we annoyed everyone around us because we literally wouldn't shut up. But that's the point of how that conversation on, on, on storytelling led to me joining the organization and and really, really bringing that to life. And so that entrepreneurial endeavors, sort of co-founding that that business, came through this chance occurrence. But was it chance knowing that we actually were talking about storytelling and I was podcasting and talking about that very, very topic at the same time? So acting on that coincidence is really what the message there is versus seeing that as an opportunity versus seeing that as a just, oh, just this funny thing happened. But, you know, these days you have to be prepared to tell your own personal story and you you have to do it in a way of consistency, authenticity, using sort of media channels that feel relevant to you. And, you know, it's good to be back doing these podcasts again. We, we recorded 53 episodes flat out without a break, even at Christmas and New Year's time. Um, and then we thought we needed a bit of a breather, a bit like a, a band going off and doing some solo work. You use set up sort of CI squared and and I concentrated on a on a few things and uh, I've been working on IVF dad which has really really stripped me be back, uh, back raw actually it's a, another podcast tracking those highs and lows of a 6 year fertility journey from a male perspective and it, and it really made me appreciate one of those sort of core premise of storytelling and marketing which is you have to know your audience. You have to understand what, what they want. And one of the things that I discovered as I was sort of preparing the IVF Dad podcast and, and working out really what I wanted to get across, which was to help male partners sort of through the process, which can be incredibly challenging at times and share some of my experiences before. You know, thankfully, Rosie was born last year after 18 embryos and sort of six years of trying was the fact that everyone has a story and there, there's a certain amount of empathy 
that we can all get out of listening to those stories. Uh, I've been humbled by the response, Sam. It's been absolutely phenomenal. It was on front page of Apple. Um, and, and again, it's interesting, isn't it, that now I am getting sort of asked to do a lot of sort of press interviews about it. But the thing that makes the most difference to me is the personal replies that I get from people going through fertility journeys and and understanding that I've made a difference to someone else's life and which is which is just really so gratifying. And for me, it's it's interesting that I've had to carve out space to create time to tell that personal story alongside the work that I do on Moreno marketing, alongside the work that I do here on across the pond but it's been a it's an, it's now an important part of that overall brand you know it's, it's it's what i do i'm i'm all for of ivf dad as well as across the pond as well as moreno marketing so you've got to find the way that releases your own creative expression you've got to find your way to create that freedom in your life to to actually be bold and and do what you want to do mm. so you know maybe the approach that um, some people took is is too extreme and maybe the right approach is to do it within a corporate. But I think the most important thing to do is to make sure you do it. So look, yeah, time's got on again, as always. Um, so why don't you give us the three key takeouts and reflections? So firstly, Chris, I'd say that we, we talked a lot about how the role of a personal brand matters and how that helps you to drive to action and the, the whole idea of burning the boat. But then as we think about that, burning the boat, but the, your mindset really does matter because there's, there's definitely a lot of evidence of being able to pivot and evolve as you bring your entrepreneurial um, ideas and spirit to life. And then thirdly, we definitely, definitely talked a lot about storytelling. What stories are you telling yourself? Is it true? Are you ready? Are you not ready? Or actually, is this a perfect time to step out and make it happen? So what's the story you're telling yourself and what's the story that you're telling to the world? Those are the three critical parts to take away. And next week, we have a double bill. Uh, another interview, two for a price of one. We've got Amanda Phone and Adrian Walcott who have been striving to raise the diversity and representation within marketing communications, both from very, very different backgrounds who've come together to create something immensely powerful. Very, very exciting what they've achieved so far and what they plan to do and, and lots to talk about at the back of it. So looking forward to that one, Sam. Yeah, they, it's a great it's a great show. There's a, a lot of meaningful work coming out of this episode and it's a nice segue to the work that Amanda and Adrian are doing as well. So really, really looking forward to sharing that with the audience. And so as ever, as always, on our weekly basis, without further ado, have a great week across the pond. So if you're an entrepreneur, rising star or CMO looking for new ideas, find us at marketingtransform.com and on Spotify, Apple, Google and all good podcast platforms.